Hello and welcome, everyone. It is time to enter the Kumite. I'm joined today by my friend and fellow colleague, Cole Halverson. What's going on, guys? And the 940 Ninja himself, Sean Myers. Today we'll be digging into UFC 263, Adesanya versus Vittori. Man, this was such a good card from Intense. the top to the bottom. Just just a banger from, from beginning to end. And, you know, I will say the main event was great. Wasn't even my favorite fight on the card. My favorite fight on the card was actually in the prelims. No one would even see it coming. Actually, I think everybody saw it coming. Brad Riddell versus Drew Dover was an absolute slugfest. And, and, and you know, it wasn't the, the senseless kind of slugfest either. This was a very technical matchup. Uh, Brad Riddell etching out the decision. Um, very close fight. Uh, Drew Dover starting out strong. He slowed down just a little bit, and Brad Riddell started picking up on a lot of his, you know, a lot of his habits, a lot of his rhythm, and uh, ended up countering him pretty hard for his style. But man, what a killer fight! What a great way to start off the night. Yeah, um, Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. Uh, first fight going into the main card. Okay. First thing I have to say, I have never personally seen this referee, Al Guiney. I hope we never see him again. He'll likely never be back. Um, I mean, I, when it comes to you know state commissions and stuff like that, the UFC only has so much control. Um, but I don't know. Apparently, he's a local ref for Arizona, and he's a, apparently a BJJ black belt. Really? Dude, if you're BJJ Black Belt, why did you not see what was going on there? Dude, your reaction time is absolute garbage. That was just... I mean, that was, that was, that was rough to watch. Um, Jamal Hill, a young kid coming up you know, through the light heavyweight division. Um, Paul Craig... I'm sorry, let me say it correctly. Paul Craig... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get that Basically pulled him into half guard on top of him and then just... He used his uh, spider guard. Yeah, he made Jamal think he was going for one arm, but then was working his way to an arm bar with the opposite. And, and he was just grabbing his and wrist he, and, and he got him it. around. He, he definitely got the arm bar. He definitely got it. You yeah. can see that because Jamal Hill actually gets his arm dislocated at the elbow. It looked like it was broken. It looked like it was snapped. It was later confirmed that the the Jamal's arm was actually just dislocated. They they popped it back in in the back, and you know he should be cleared to go. You know he doesn't have to take a long time off. I, when everything was happening, it was really sad to see you know an up and coming kid maybe have to take two years off, maybe less. You know I mean you can do it with less. You can you can definitely come back in a year from a broken you know humerus or radius. Um, might be a different story. Yeah. Dislocated though, yeah. you still have to be aware of the tendons and ligaments that could have been stretched out or torn. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, from the from dislocating that, that's even though that's not going to be as long of an injury off. It's definitely going to be some time spent away from the gym. Right. I mean, and some it, time spent recuperating that arm afterwards. Know, I think it's only going to be about three weeks to a month that he'll have to like you know not train, and you know after a fight like that, like. I'm sure the UFC's got got the best technician or uh, physicians looking after him. Yeah, um, man, Paul Craig said he was going to test this kid's jujitsu, and that's exactly what he did. He pulled him right on top of him, 
which you don't see very often, pulled him on top of his half guard and just spider guarded his way into submitting Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill was looking for that ground and pound. He was just trying to break that grip so he could throw something big um, and, and make Paul Craig think it was a you know, bad decision to pull him on top of him. But Paul Craig is, wow, At he's something end, else on the ground. Jamal Hill got taken to school that day, man. Yeah. that was just, it, it was within the first, what, 45 seconds of the fight? Uh, I think maybe the arm bar, maybe. Yeah. You know, and I think after, per- proceeded it, after to... dislocating his arm and taking all those elbows to the face, after it clear, it looked to me as, it, as though Jamal Hill was trying to tap. That's, he was trying to tap, but he didn't have a surface to tap on. Yeah, it's debatable. Maybe he was trying to grab, you know, Paul's, you know, wrist and, and pull it away. I, maybe. But it looked to me as though he was trying to tap because he knew his arm, he knew his arm is, just got severely injured. Oh. Um, but, yeah, that's it's sad to see. I'm glad Jamal Hill's okay. I'm really glad to see, you know, Paul Craig, man, coming back later years of his career. Um, you know, he's learning, like. Okay, I'm gonna stick to my strengths. You know, he was trying things in the octagon along the way, and it got him caught. And you know, his his strength is his, his BJJ all, all day. Um, and and he tapped out Magomed Ankalaev. You don't do that unless you have some serious Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Tap, tap out a, whew, man. So I'm excited for Paul Craig. I'm glad to see the Scottishman back in the you know. He was in the wind column. He's three out of four now, I think, in his last four fights. He showed that he can still hang with the with these young kids. I'm pretty sure Jamal Hill was uh, one of the participants from one of the tough seasons, wasn't he? Um, I'm actually not too sure about that. That would, that would but yeah, man. Be good to know. Though. Either either way, showing that veterans can still hang with these uh, with these young pups. Yeah. And speaking of veterans versus young pups, we have Damian Maya versus Bilal Muhammad. Um, Wow, uh, what did what did I say? Bilal was going to be a good wrestler and decent boxer, and that's what he did. He stopped Maya from being able to take him down or control him too much, and he just outboxed him for the majority of the career or the majority of the fight. Yeah, I mean Maya was a tank, though. I mean he took those shots and he definitely gave it his all with shooting for the legs. But at the end of the day, Bilal was just not giving him anything as far as wrestling goes. I mean Maya specifically uses jujitsu. Like that's that's one of you know his 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 missions is to show how good jujitsu can be in, in mixed martial arts and expanding on the 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 frontiers of jujitsu to adjust it to be able to you know for for mixed martial arts and man it, it like you said he's a tank he kept coming forward and and he imposed his game plan as much as he could but blah man he shows that his single leg defense is impeccable yeah. Damian Maya had that single leg, had it high many times, and Bilal would adjust his had him on a pogo stick, adjust dude. his balance every time, and he would do all the right things. And you know, there was a couple times in that fight where I thought, oh, he's about to get, he's about to feel the power of the anaconda, the boa constrictor is about to start constricting. I don't think Damian Maya got a single takedown. He got a takedown. Did he get one? Yeah, he got one or two, and it didn't last long. Bilal got up really quickly, but you know. He was wrapping those legs, and he could have back, he could have backpacked him. He might have uh, Bilal. There was a couple times where Bilal was really close to getting yoded. Yeah, yeah. kudos to Damian Maya though for uh, for sticking in the game this long. And I mean, Maya's one of my wow. favorite fighters. He's a legend. He deserves. He has every every right to go down in the UFC Hall of Fame. He challenged 
Anderson Silva years and years ago at 185, and here he is today. You know, he just re- he's he's challenged for the title. It, it, has he challenged for the title 170? Well, he's fought all the top contenders at 170. I don't think he's fought for the title. But here, here he is still, 43 years old, in there with the best of the best. He's a genuine gatekeeper, man. <laughs> he, he, if you can't make it past Damian Maya, you're not going to make it in the top 15. You're not going to make it in the top five. I mean, Damian Maya is still number nine. There's still a lot of people in that division wow, that Damian Maya has a chance to has a chance to beat. Uh, I, I don't like his manager picking all of these good wrestlers with good boxing or with better boxing. I, yeah, with better stand up. Yeah. Dude, pick a Muay Thai guy who doesn't, you know, that doesn't have good footwork and doesn't, doesn't want to be on the ground. Take down, <laughs> doesn't know how to defend a takedown. Like, quit throwing him up against all these good wrestlers with decent boxing. But right now, the welterweight division. Almost all of the top of the welterweight division are good wrestlers and, and boxers, like with their focus. Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, Bilal Muhammad now. Like, you know, you have, you have Leon Edwards and Steven Thompson as like the elusive strikers, um, you know, with a little bit more, with a little versatility to their game. But the majority of welterweight um, contenders right now are definitely just leaning on their grappling yep. and, they, and building from that. You know, Colby Covington is a great grappler, and now he's building his striking. Kamaru Usman was a dominant grappler, and now he can knock a dude out with a jab. With the jabs. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Scary jab. Let's get into Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. This was said to be the biggest mismatch, not of all time, obviously, but a very big technical mismatch. And it proved true. It was a mismatch. But had talked to Nate, man. He almost got the finish in the fifth round. Late in the round. fifth round, dude. Oh, my god! Just the whole fight, just taunting taunting Edwards with these, with these lulls, with these little feints and little off-the-cuff, uh, you know, come-get-me th- moves from the cage. Yeah, he would, like, turn his back and be like, yeah, I'm just chilling. And then he would, like turn into him and try to throw real quick to the one-two down the pipe. Try to fake that he's hurt. Yeah. Oh. Um, but, yeah, Diaz's leg was getting chopped up all night. Um, his yeah. face got chopped he up all night. bleeding from both sides of his head. You know, he, he, But, man, that dude's tough. I thought, I thought Leon Edwards was going to come out a little bit more, uh, I would say, less respectful of Nate Diaz's striking. I thought he was going to have something to prove. Be like, look, I, I've, I know I've been away for a minute. I know I spoiled my comeback with the whole eye poke thing. I got to knock out Nate Diaz. I got to be the first to do that, and that proves something. This is barely a win for Leon Edwards, for him not finishing Diaz, for him almost getting knocked out by Diaz. You know everybody in the welterweight division is going to look at that and be like, oh, I can knock out Leon Edwards. If Nate Diaz can almost knock out Leon Edwards, I can knock out Leon Edwards. Um, So I don't think this brought up Leon Edwards' stock like it was supposed to. It might have a little bit. Some people might, you know have earned some respect for him, you know, you know, Nate Diaz fans, but Nate Diaz's stock went up because that's now he can say like, Oh, if it was a fight to the death, you know, who would have took it? You know, that street, that street cred, you know, even though he lost the majority of the fight, like that was a fight to the death. Diaz would have been on top. Stockton. <laughs> it's just, it, 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 it's just funny seeing Diaz come back out. And still be able to do all these off the cuff things, and still almost be able to pull a win. 
against a number three contender at a weight division above him. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe it's literally it. ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I see after seeing this fight, dude, he was very tentative. His chin might be a little suspect. I don't know. I doubt it. I think Nate just caught him a good one right on the button. But I, you know, we want to see more Leon Edwards because we want to test to see how, you know, gauge the water to see how good he might do against Kamaru Usman. I, after seeing that performance, I don't think he has much to offer Usman. I think uh, Usman might be able to even outstrike him, you know, but with the grappling being a problem. Right. He would be able to outstrike right, right. him. You know, if he if if Leon Edwards didn't have to worry about that, then then maybe not. But with the threat of the grappling, the strong jab of Kamaru Usman, and the one two the one two that he threw down the pipe that knocked out Jorge Masvidal looks like it's going to be a problem for Leon Edwards because Leon Edwards got caught multiple times with that one two right down the center, plain as day. Nate Diaz just throwing it out there. Leon Edwards did not react, and he got caught with it. He got caught with it hard. So I could definitely see Kamaru Usman landing that exact same strike, the uh, exact same setup, I'm sorry, on uh, Leon Edwards. But we don't know until we get there. Leon Edwards did not get the uh, title fight opportunity after this. It was kind of on the line. Dana was kind of waiting to see what happened here to gauge the waters for it. But he ended up going with Colby Covington. Colby Covington will be the next contender for Kamaru Usman. And here we go again. I don't think, uh, I mean, uh, I actually like Colby Covington. And, you know, whatever, you know, popular opinion on him is, I don't think he's actually a bad person. I think he just does, he says what he says to make some money, whatever. He's got to promote himself. That worked. Um, saved him his UFC contract doing that shit talk. Um, but, yeah, I don't give Colby Covington much of a chance in that fight. Just with that new, newly developed strong jab of Kamaru, I think Kamaru has a little bit stronger grappling. I think it'd be pretty close, but ultimately, okay. But that's a whole side. That's for a later date. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Um, Davison Figueiredo versus Brandon Moreno, the first ever Mexican champion. First, I've never seen someone happier to receive a belt. That man was crying and laughing and everything all at the same time. He didn't know what to do after he won. It was, he just it was... wandered around the ring for about 30 seconds. <laughs> just yeah. soaking it in. It took a second for it to, like, kick in. God, what was it that, like, triggered it for him? There was something that, that happened, and he was like, oh, wait, I'm the champion. <laughs> I think it was someone came and offered him, like, to sit down, maybe. Someone came over and offered him something. And it kind of snapped him out of it, I think. And then he just started like, he just started bawling, man. <laughs> yeah. um, wow. Yeah, I'm so I'm so happy for Brandon Moreno. He's such a likable guy, such a respectful person, an individual. Um, you know, he worked hard, like his whole life to get here. You actually showed me that one post on was it Instagram? Yeah, he has a picture of him with a uh, a fake UFC belt in 2016. With a post that says, one day it will be mine. Or one day the real one will be mine. And then look at him five years five later, years bro. Later. Here we are. It. Man, that's got to be really good to, you know, go back and look and be like, man, I, in that mindset, you know, I had a goal. Now I'm here. You know? Um, He's so fast, bro. The way he just maneuvered around, figured it out, got his back. So one thing going into this, that Brandon Moreno had a six-month-long training camp. 
Oh yeah, he took all the time. Right after their fight with their first fight, Brandon Moreno started setting up his camp, and then he moved to to live out this camp. Um, to 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 you know do the extension of his camp for six months until their next fight. That's crazy. That's a lot of preparation. Just going over drills over and over again, doing breakdowns over and over again. You know, practicing certain positions that he thinks might be an issue for him or think might have an opportunity over and over again. And it paid off. And it paid off. He looked, wow, he looked oddly like dominant in there against Figueroa. Yeah. He looked um, faster. He looked, he which looked I, like he I was. I haven't seen. He looked like he was kind of faster. I think he was just making Figueroa like second guess himself and it was making him hesitant. I also think Figueroa had a hard time with the weight cut. Um, he's at that point now where he's cut to 125 too much. This man walks around 165 pounds, and he cuts to 125 for this. Holy cow. That, because he's dense. Like, yeah, he's not the tallest fighter, but he's dense. Is that what he walks he's in the ring thin. as? Is like 150 probably? 145, 150, I'm sure. Something yeah. like that. No, 140 to 150, somewhere in there. I don't know. I can't, I can't be sure of that. Uh, but... Yeah, man, I, I think it's time for him to move up. Um, we're seeing these, you know, these these size bullies, you know, kind of after a certain amount of time, they have to move up, you know. They can't keep cutting weight to fight smaller people after so long because it right. does take such a toll on your body. <clears throat> um, but, man, uh, Moreno's controlling the ground. Like, he knew all of his opportunities. He knew all the positions that he wanted to go for, and I feel like he knew what Figueroa was going to do on the ground when they were there, he knew what he was going to do in advance. Um, yeah, it was almost like he telegraphed everything. It, it was. It's like that from the way that Moreno was going about it. But man, I'm so happy for Moreno. Um, and you know, hats off to Figueroa. There was, a, you know, he, he kind of played the bad guy in this one. You know, he'd leave his shades on and he'd be yeah, like, "I'm going to beat yeah. this dude up." Uh, he, he he talks too much. You know, he didn't mean any of that. Not at all. And you can see at the end of the fight that there was nothing but respect from Figueroa to Moreno. Yeah. He ended up, you know, putting him on his, putting him, like, picking him up and carrying him around the, the octagon, which is, yeah. that's, you know, the ultimate sign of respect of, like, hey, this this man is a better man on this night, you know. Um, so, you know, I wish uh, Figueroa the, the best. Um, I'd like to see him in the 135 division. He's definitely a contender. He's definitely still fast, powerful. And, you know, intelligent to go with it, a high fight IQ. Um, he just did not get to display it because I feel like Moreno was just so well prepared for this. Um, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori, the main event of the evening. Adesanya getting it done. Man, we can finally put this uh, put this rivalry to rest for a little while. Uh, I think Vittori says he thought he won the fight. He's gonna. He said that last time. Drinking Kool-Aid, man. Drinking the Kool-Aid. Um... Okay, there are a lot of things that we could talk about. A lot of things that you know we already covered. Already covered in the the breakdown um, going into this. You know, I was I was pleased to know that you know a lot of the tendencies and things that I was predicting to happen definitely happened. Adesanya's leg kick mix up for the question mark kick, beautiful, and he was going for it. He was he was going for a finish tonight. He never he 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 never really connected with the question mark but you could tell that it was always a threat and if it did connect it it, it would have taken Vittori's head off yeah and kudos to Vittori for always seeing it in advance he stayed keen to it 
kudos to Vittoria at all, man, for t- <laughs> getting in the ring with Adesanya. They took over 30 leg kicks for that conditioning to land that question mark kick. 30 <laughs> leg kicks. And he still dodged every question mark kick. And he stayed in there. I thought, you know, we might see a problem later in this fight if, if he keeps tearing up that leg. He might not rank it to round four, make it to round five. Um, Vittoria got the early takedown by catching the kick. Yeah, he got that one ankle pick. Um, yep. Izzy's kicks are hard to time just because he can throw so many different feints and throw so many different strikes. There's a lot to keep up with. Very, He's like an onion, dude. It's just layers and layers and layers. And they can come at any angle. Or more like cake. Everybody loves cake. Everybody loves cake. <laughs> um, Adesanya pretty much was always leading the dance. He mostly stayed in southpaw so he could open up the, the leg kicks to the question mark kick. Um, to the teep kicks. Um, but yeah, he was like a matador in there. He was really just luring at, he was luring Vittori in there, get in to play whack-a-mole, try to punch him in the head. Um, and while he was doing all of that, he was just setting Vittori up with different, you know, mix-ups, conditions, combos. Even whenever Izzy's back was against the cage, you could tell that his back was against the cage because he wanted, he wanted, it. He wanted his back against the cage. It wasn't because Vittori pushed him there. Yeah, and I think actually you came up with the, the theory on him use, wanting his back into cage just in case Vittori goes for a takedown because he has a better chance of getting back up. Vittori got those early takedowns, and then Izzy started kind of putting his back against the cage on purpose, not directly at the cage, but about two or three feet away from it, just where if he did go for a takedown, Izzy's back would probably bounce off the cage and he would still be standing up. Yeah, and he could use it to you know climb back up. It was, it was very... Resourceful. Yeah, because yeah, I was saying that you know he should get to keep his back off the cage. That's not what he needs to do. But at the end of the day, you know, fighters are learning now how to use that cage to their advantage. And you know, against certain grapplers, you know, if somebody was better in the clinch, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd want to be out in the open if they're better in the clinch and and they're not as strong on the open takedowns. But I think you know, seeing from seeing from Jan Blakovich and 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 Vittori, if they're going to get that takedown and keep it. It's by cu- cutting off the cage. Because Adesanya always goes to the cage. Right. And, and uh, Blokovich cut off the cage. Like, no, 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 we're not messing with that. I'm going to keep you. You're, you're, you're kind of near the cage. You almost got there, but I cut you off, and now I'm just on top of you. Gotta and he was big enough to kind of bully Izzy. I don't think Vittori had that big of a weight advantage to shove him away from the cage once he got him to the ground. Yeah, Vittori and Blokovich are about the same size. Blokovich is stronger and has better jujitsu in controlling it. And he probably walks into the ring at 220. And he drives in better. Vittori was going in. He his, Vittori's timing for the takedowns, a lot of the time, were really good. Like when, it, like, like I predicted in, in the first, you know, uh, in the preview, when can you take down Izzy? When he's thinking about striking defense, that's when you can take down Izzy. When, when he's, when he's going to throw something. When he's worried about you throwing something and what he needs to do to counter him, lean his hips back, whatever, you know, uh, throw a kick because now he thinks you're too concerned about the boxing and that's when he can go down low. It's when he can get you thinking about the boxing and make you want to hit his head. Um, but yeah, Batori shot in for those. Like, you know, uh, he, he timed them really well. He just didn't drive with his hips. He just stepped into it and then, like, went for a single-leg clinch position up against the cage, and it shut off all his momentum. Man, I almost feel bad for Vittori. Speaking of stopping momentum, Vittori got poked in the eye on the get-up. 
is he accidentally poked him in the eye trying to get up and trying to gauge distance. And then in the same round, about two minutes later, is he accidentally kicks the man in the groin. Kicks the dude in the dick. You want to talk about you want to talk about stopping momentum. I, I really feel for Vittoria whenever it comes to those two points. I know you guys had beef, but now you're mortal enemies. Kicking dude in the dick like that. But, I mean, even you pointed out that Vittori bumped knuckles with Izzy after the groin shot he, just to show that he knows that it wasn't purposeful. He, he, he gave Adesanya a fist bump after getting kicked in the dick. That, he, I think he accidentally exposed that there was no real beef at all. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think he meant to do it. He wasn't thinking about it. But then, you know, of course, by the end of the fight, he goes back to his brash self and Basically tells Adesanya to go fuck himself. Um, but yeah, Marmon had a hard time closing the distance. He really only showed two or three different entries. He really got uh, caught frozen up in front of Adesanya a bit more than he would have liked. Um, he landed a few times when Adesanya would overestimate the distance between them. Um, but Adesanya would still be pulling on those punches and softening that impact. It's hard to knock someone out with a punch they see coming. And Adesanya sees everything coming. He saw everything. It was, it was a beautiful fight. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel that Vittori had a hard time juggling multiple martial arts simultaneously. Yeah, it was like he was compartmentalizing it. And then as he would, as he would transition from wrestling to striking or striking to grappling, he would, like, put it away. And then take out a new box. Exactly, exactly. You know, and maybe a piece of this is due to Italy not actually having MMA gyms yet. Um, Vittori, growing up, had to attend multiple different gyms that taught individual martial arts. That's how he had to do it until he moved to London to train MMA full-time. Um, but, yeah, this was a great fight. Uh, we learned a lot. Uh, Vittori had heart, but there are levels to this game, and... Adesanya is on that next level. Is he's next level? He's going to evolve the the game of martial, mixed martial arts. Um, that's just, we're we're seeing the evolution right now because someone are gonna, some people people now are going to have to raise to that standard. He set the bar higher. That's what Izzy did. History in the making. Yeah. Um, okay, guys. With that, we will wrap up our thoughts on UFC 263: Adesanya versus Vittori. I want to thank you, Cole, for being here and sharing your thoughts. And thank you for inviting me. I'd like to thank our technical engineer, the Nine Pro Ninja. <laughs> I'd also like to thank, you know, all all the fighters for going up on the world stage and laying it all on the line. Um, and lastly, but certainly not least, I'd like to thank the viewers, everybody who tuned in here today, who entered the Kumite with us. Remember, guys, this is not a sport. You don't play fight.